0: Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much that you give us that we still have the freedoms to come and and be with you and worship you, Father, here together with all of these lovely ladies. And I ask, Lord, that um, you will open up hearts, minds, and spirits of these ladies this evening and receive to receive whatever it is that you have for them, Father God. We thank you for uh, just everything that you do. You are mighty, Father God, and we just. Just praise you for everything that you are, everything that you do, and everything that you continue to do, Father. And um, we just ask that you will bless this time and uh, just give me the gift of teaching, calm my nerves, and uh, just be with each and every one of us this evening, Lord. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name, amen. amen. Okay, so we... Um, the name of our lesson was Triumph Over Temptation, and this is from Genesis chapter 39, so you can turn there if you want. Um, In our last lesson, we learned that the Ishmaelites bought Joseph from his brothers in Dothan. It was approximately 300 miles from Dothan to Egypt, at least that's kind of what I came up with. Um, I'm not sure how many days it took to reach their destination, but one can only imagine the thoughts going through Joseph's young mind as he traveled. How grieving that his own brothers would forsake him, and what would become of him now, and I'm sure he missed his father, too. And what of his dreams? What was happening right now seemed more like a nightmare. Nothing seemed to be going right. He went from the comforts and security of a home where he was much loved, much favored by his father, to a place with a culture he didn't know and surrounded by a language he didn't understand. At this particular moment in time, Joseph may not have seen or felt God's hand in his life, but he trusted God. God had a divine plan for Joseph, and this was just the beginning. So let's look at verse 1. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, whoa, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. So now we find Joseph in Egypt on the slave block, and he was being bid on like he was nothing more than a cheap piece of property, and it seemed that he had no control over his destiny Anyone could have purchased Joseph, but it wasn't just anyone. It was a man named Potiphar. Potiphar was Pharaoh's personal security guard as well as a highly trusted official in the government of Egypt and from all accounts was a wealthy man. By God's grace, he placed Potiphar there at the right moment, at the right time to buy Joseph as his slave. Let's look at verses 2 through 6. The Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man, and he was in the house of his master the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favor in his sight and served him. Then he made him overseer of his house, and all that he had he put under his authority. So it was from the time that he had made him overseer of his house and all that he had that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake, and the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and in the field. Thus he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he did not know what he had except for the bread which he ate. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. Here was Joseph, a slave, but we see the Lord was with him. I was listening to Pastor David Guzik, and he asked this question. Would you rather be like Joseph, a slave with no control over your life, or would you rather be his brothers, who are free men, living in the comfort of their homes, in their own beds, and lie awake at night in their secrets, their guilt, their shame, and fear of being found out for what they have done? Yeah, that's a good question, right? So Joseph has freedom in the Lord. His conscience is clean. His brothers, however, do not have a clean conscience. They are slaves to unreconciled sin. The verses that we had just read are so encur- are encouraging. The Lord was with Joseph, and he blessed not only him, but blessed Potiphar because of him. God gave him favor in the eyes of Potiphar. Furthermore, it was evident to Potiphar that the Lord was with Joseph. And a question that we can ask ourselves. Do people see that the Lord is with us without us having to tell them? By our words, our actions, our attitudes, our work ethics? That's a good question too. Joseph may have been a slave, but everything he did, he did unto the Lord and was therefore successful. He worked hard, he was loyal, and was honorable his mission to do the very best where God had placed him. Colossians three twenty two twenty three says, 23 says, Bondservants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men-pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God, and whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. At this point in time, Joseph had served Potiphar for about 11 years. That seems like a really long time, doesn't it? But Joseph would have needed to acquire the skills necessary to effectively run Potiphar's home, learning the language, the ways of the Egyptian culture, as well as administrative and supervisory skills. He would also need these skills for the plans that God has for him in the future. Because of the Lord's blessing on Joseph, his upright character, and his competence, he found favor with his master. Potiphar put Joseph as overseer of his house, and everything was under Joseph's control in the house and in the field. The Lord blessed all Potiphar had for Joseph's sake. Potiphar trusted Joseph with everything he had. The only thing he had care about is the food which he ate. And wouldn't that be great if we could just let somebody come in and do our laundry and house cleaning and yard work and pay our bills and everything else, and all we had to worry about is what's for dinner? That sounds good to me. (laughs) All right, let's look at verses 7 through 9. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast longing eyes on Joseph, and she said, Lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, Look, my master does not know what is with me in the house, and he has committed all that he has to my hand. There is no one greater in this house than I, nor has he kept back anything from me but you, because you are his wife. How can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Joseph was in his late 20s at this time, and in verse 6 we read that Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. This means that he was a well-built, good-looking guy, and Potiphar's wife had her eyes set on him. She casts longing eyes on Joseph and blatantly tells him to have sex with her. We as Christian women aspire, aspire to be virtuous Proverbs 31 women, Potiphar's wife, she was a Proverbs 7 woman, a crafty harlot. Proverbs 7:18 through 19 says, Come, let us take our fill of love until morning. Let us delight ourselves with love. For my husband is not at home. He has gone on a long journey. And Proverbs 7:25 through 27, Do not let your heart turn aside to her ways. Do not stray from her paths or into her paths. For she has cast down many wounded, and all who were slain by her were strong men. Her house is the way to hell, descending to the chambers of death. And also Proverbs 2, 16, 19 speaks of the immoral woman, the seductress, who flatters with her words, who forsakes the companion of her youth, and forgets the covenant of her God, for her house leads down to death and her paths to the dead. None, of who, none who go into her return, nor do they regain the paths of life. Our text doesn't say what Potiphar's wife looked like, um, but being the wife of a royal officer, she was more than likely attractive. We also don't know how she was dressed, if she was dressed provocatively or what, but I'm sure she did everything she could to look beautiful and smell great, because we all have to smell great too. (laughs) She wanted Joseph to notice her and lure him in. Joseph remained a pillar of strength and resisted her temptation. He reminds her that Potiphar trusts him and has committed everything he has to him. The only thing that was not his was her, because she was his master's wife. Joseph told her what this act actually was, a great wickedness. He would not sin against God. And notice, Joseph didn't say, I would be sinning against Potiphar, I would be hurting you, I would be sinning against myself— No, he would be sinning against God and God alone. Because when you take God out of the equation, then it's easy to justify the sin. So you're on this level. You're just looking at people. We need to keep looking up. All right. Joseph cared more about his relationship with God than man. His heart was with God. There wasn't room for anything else. When we sin against God, we are being unfaithful to him. God sees all things and knows all things and there's no place where we can hide from him although joseph told her all these noble reasons to cease her advances it seems to have made her more aggressive she would not take no for an answer it was like game on <laughs> Verses 10 through 12, so it was as she spoke to Joseph day by day that he did not heed her to lie with her or to be with her. But it happened about this time when Joseph went into the house to do his work, and none of the men of the house was inside, that she caught him by his garment, saying, Lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and f- uh, fled and ran outside. Wow, Potiphar's wife tempted Joseph with her words day after day after day. She would not leave this man alone. And I have a little analogy here, because this past weekend, um, we had family members come over to our house to um, celebrate some birthdays. And uh, anyway, some of the family was outside, some of the family was inside. And our 17-year-old daughter, she has special needs. She's nonverbal. She has her little talker, her communication device. But anyway, um, she was going around to the family at the table because she wanted everybody outside. She didn't want anyone inside at all. And she was going around the table and tapping people on the arm, but her tap's not a tap. It is a full finger throttle on their arm. And it's like, and she doesn't, do it once. She does it like three times, like jab, jab, jab. And then she gets on her talker and says, outside. And, you know, the family kept saying, no, Amy, no, Amy. It's too hot. No, Amy. But she's relentless and jab, jab, jab and outside. This went on for quite a while. And it wasn't until the family left and I had a breather, I was thinking, oh, my goodness, that must have been so annoying to them. I'm used to her perseverating on something for hours, but they're not. And i thought that is just so annoying and i'm like oh, like potiphar's wife <laughs> that's what it is not that i'm saying my daughter is like potiphar's wife but <laughs> she's a sweetheart but anyway um you know i'm just thinking that i don't know if annoying is the right word that joseph would use for for uh, potiphar's wife but you know i'm sure he got to the point where it was like what part of no do you not understand It seems like the more he rejected her advances, the more aggressive she became. Joseph remained strong in his faith and obedience to to God and would not pay attention to her, and he did his best to stay away from her. Verse 11 tells us that when Joseph went into the house to do his work, that none of the men of the house was inside. go figure. Of course, Potiphar's wife most likely sent the houseworkers away. She plotted and schemed this whole scenario to be alone with Joseph. Maybe now she can get him to lie with her when no one else is around. And um, Satan likes it when we're alone, doesn't he? Yeah, because that's when he tries to deceive us with his lies, when he says, you're all alone. Who would know? Look what has happened to you in your life. You deserve some happiness. You're lonely. You have needs. Go on and gratify the longing of your flesh, just like the serpent of old tempting um, Eve in the Garden of Eden with his deceit and lies and doubts. But Joseph knows whom whom he would be sinning against should he give in, and there was no way he would sin against God. This woman is shameless, and she becomes physical and grabs Joseph's garment, telling him to have Relations with her. I don't know if there's any kids in here. (laughs) But he did the best thing when battling sexual temptation. He fled away, leaving his garment in her hand. Joseph found that the only way he could rid himself of this woman was to flee from her presence from the temptation of sin. 1 Corinthians 6.18 says, flee from sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. 2 Timothy 2.22, flee also youthful lusts, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. 1 John 2.16, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. God will always give us an escape from temptation. We may have to turn off the TV or computer, put our phone away, get off social media, break off relationships with certain people, stop going to certain places, and the list goes on. In this case, Joseph runs away from the seductress. There are those in the Bible that didn't flee temptation but acted on it. I'm going to pick on King David. Um, But King David, um, if you know the story, he was on his roof, and he looked over, and there happened to be a woman bathing by the name of Bathsheba. And um, he let his eyes linger too long. And so he summoned for her, and she got pregnant, and then he had um, her husband murdered. And so it was just one sin after another. And the consequences of his sin was great. And yet, David was called a man after God's own heart. And that's because we serve a merciful and gracious God. When we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, No temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape, that you may be able to bear it. It is not sin to be tempted. In our study book, we read how Jesus was tempted by Satan, yet he did not sin. One should not confuse temptations with trials that come our way. Most often, trials are allowed, or even sent by God, to cause the Christian to stand. Temptations are sent from the dev- devil to cause the Christian to stumble. Uh, my husband sent me a devotion that he received, and it was about how our minds are like a hotel. Okay, hang, it, hang in there with me on this one. <laughs> okay, so the manager cannot keep someone from entering the lobby However, he can certainly keep that that person from getting a room. Likewise, it is not a sin when a temptation passes through our mind. The sin comes when it does not do that, when it doesn't pass through our mind. The sin comes when we give that thought a room in our mind and let it dwell there. Unfortunately, temptation isn't going away. We have an enemy who would like nothing more than to make us stumble and fall. 1 Peter 5.8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. All right, let's look at verses 13 through 20. And so it was when she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and fled outside that she called to the men of her house and spoke to them saying, see, he has brought into us a Hebrew to mock us. He came in to lie with me and I cried out with a loud voice and it happened when he heard that I lifted my voice and cried out that he left his garment with me and fled and went outside. So she kept his garment with her until his master came home. Then she spoke to him with words like these, saying, The Hebrew servant whom you brought to us came in to mock me. So it happened, as I lifted my voice and cried out, that he left his garment with me and fled outside. So it was when his master heard the words which his wife spoke to him, saying, Your servant did to me in this... After this manner, that his anger was aroused. Then Joseph's master took him and put him in the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in prison. Potiphar's wife was probably not happy that Joseph ran from her. Our verses say that she cried out with a loud voice, which she probably did, but it was more than likely a scream of anger. She was a scorned woman. She accused and blamed everyone else of her own lustful, sinful, selfish desires. She lied about Joseph, saying he came in to rape her and left his garment with her. This is not the first time Joseph's coat was used as a false witness concerning him. His father had been been deceived when his brothers came back with Joseph's bloodied coat, and now Potiphar's wife is using Joseph's coat against him when he fled without it. She also blames her husband for bringing a Hebrew into their house to mock her. Verse 19 tells us that Potiphar's anger was aroused. He wasn't happy. A majority of commentators feel that Potiphar knew his wife was lying because if he believed her, Joseph would have certainly been executed. Instead, Potiphar put him into prison. He had to do something to keep up appearances. Not only did Potiphar most likely not believe his wife, but he just lost the best servant he ever had. Joseph did not seem to defend himself against this false accusation, even as Jesus was silent before his accusers from Isaiah 53, 7 and Matthew twenty-seven thirteen through 14. It is difficult for us to remain silent when our character is at stake, but sometimes silence is the best thing we can do and let it go and let God do his work. The king's prison Joseph was, Joseph was put in wasn't an easy prison. Joseph referred to the prison as a dungeon in Genesis 40.15, and then again in Genesis 41.14 speaks of Joseph, Joseph being taken out of the dungeon. Also, in Psalm 105:17-18, it says, God sent a man before them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave, they hurt his feet with fetters. He was laid in iron. So we know that Joseph was bound and chained. Let's look at verses 21 through 23. But the, God, but the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy, and he gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever they did there, it was his doing. The keeper of the prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority because the Lord was with him, and whatever he did, the Lord made it prosper. It seems like Joseph can't get a break. Not only was Joseph innocent, he resisted blatant temptation over and over again. He did what was right, and he suffered wrong. But God wasn't finished with him yet. Again, we see that the Lord was with Joseph, was merciful to him, and he found favor with the keeper of the prison. Joseph, once again, is put in authority, this time over prisoners, and whatever he did prospered. Joseph could have become bittered and allowed his heart to be enveloped in anger and revenge, but that didn't happen. He made a choice to honor God with his actions and his attitudes, and God honored him. Joseph chose to trust God despite his difficult circumstances. Even in our darkest hours, the Lord is with us. During storms and trials in life, we may not be able to see or feel the work that God is doing, but he is always there, and the outcome is always better. Perhaps our circumstances don't change, but we change and become more like Jesus, and what can be better than that? And I love this verse, Isaiah 55, 8 through 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And James 1, 2 through 3. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. And since our verses were on sexual temptation, I wanted to address that topic. Um, We sometimes think sexual temptation is only a man's problem, but women struggle with it as well. And so I have some practical ways that we can avoid temptation, and one of those is to avoid soap operas, certain movies, gossip magazines, and romance novels, to name a few. Whereas men are more visually stimulated, women respond to romance. Romantic relationships portrayed on television, in magazines, and novels, they are not real. Um, they can create marital unrest and dissatisfaction. And just on a personal side note, because men are more visually stimulated that's just god that's the way god created them to be we women can help our brothers in christ by dressing modestly so we aren't drawing attention to ourselves romans 14:21 says it is good not to eat meat or to drink wine or to do anything by which your brother stumbles and one may argue that men shouldn't be looking Okay, you're right, they, they shouldn't, but let's not give them anything to look at. Um, if men do their part and women do their part, then we can both honor God. Women in difficult marriages or in marriages where the needs for love, affection, and emotional in- intimacy go unmet, they are particularly vulner- vulnerable to aldu- adulterous relationships. Um, the Bible tells us to flee from sexual immorality. And I don't want to bash social media, but social media can be a playground for the devil. Um, it's, it makes it so easy, too, to look up old flames, old boyfriends, which can lead you down a path of devastation. Don't do it. Sexual immorality leads to bondage, heartbreak, and destruction. Do not be deceived. True fulfillment is found in Christ alone. And if you find yourself being sexually tempted, or if you have any temptation that has a stronghold on you, build close relationships with godly women who can encourage, support, and affirm you. Women who will pray with you and for your marriage. Establish accountability relationships with mature Christian women, with you who... Uh, with who you can share your sexual struggles and temptations. And I cannot stress enough the importance of being in God's word on a daily basis, putting on the full armor of God to fight the temptations that the enemy puts in our way. Satan will try to stumble us, whether through sexual temptations or temptations we might not even think of, like gossip, discontentment, jealousy, comparison, control, etc. we need to guard our hearts and minds and immerse ourselves in his word and pray. Psalm 119.11 says, your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. If you should find yourself being tempted by someone or something, take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. That's from Ephesians 16 and use God's word to slay the temptation Satan sends our way. And here are some um, Bible verses that I'm going to give you that you can write down if you would like on keeping you from temptation. The first one is Hebrews 4:15 through 16. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Hebrews 2.18, For in that he himself has suffered, being tempted, he is able to aid those who are tempted. Romans 8.37, Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. James 4.7, Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Matthew 26.41, Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Romans thirteen fourteen. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to, fill it, to fulfill its lust. And finally, Proverbs four fourteen fifteen. 15, Do not enter the path of the wicked and do not walk in the way of evil. Avoid it. Do not travel in it. Turn away from it and pass on. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Lord God, we thank you for this time. And Lord, if there is any women here that are battling any kind of temptations that just seem to be nagging at them and they just are having a difficult time dealing with it, then I just ask that they will open that up to their leader um, in confidence and um, just to have their leader pray for them or to find a mature woman in this church um, that will be there for them and be able to guide them. And uh, Lord, I also ask that you will have each of these women be in your word on a daily basis, that they will hide your word in their heart and uh, so that they can keep away from the temptations that we have in the world. There's just, we are just being bombarded, Father God, with just so many visual things. And um, so we just ask that your word will protect us, Father. And we thank you, Lord, for Again, for this evening, I ask, Father, that you will bless each and every group, that the conversation will be pleasing to you, um, that um, everyone will be able to glean what they have in their groups, and that you will bless every woman. And we thank you and praise you. In Jesus' precious name, we pray. Amen.